Welcome to the Littles Love Learning Podcast, the place to be if you want to teach your child to read and write correctly and effectively based on the science of reading. My name's Erin, and I'm a former classroom teacher with my master's degree in early childhood education and over 15 years experience. And although I'm no longer in the classroom full-time, I spend my days subbing, tutoring, volunteering, and working with students on their literacy skills. I am passionate about helping parents like you understand how kids learn to read and write in the right way, because yes, there is a right way. Each week, we'll tackle the most important topics in early literacy, including the best way to teach letters and sounds, the difference between sight words and high-frequency words, and why spelling and handwriting should not be skipped. Are you ready to help your child become a strong reader? Then let's dive into today's episode. I'm going to give you three tips on how you can better work with your child when teaching them how to read. These tips are really going to come in handy because if you have the passion and the desire to teach your child to read at home, or you wanna support what they're learning in the classroom, then you definitely need these three tips so that you can do your very best job teaching your child. Tip number one is all about clear communication. So when we are working with our child, there's usually two types of directions we are giving them. One, we are giving them clear directions, telling them what to do. And two, we are asking them questions, giving them a chance to respond to us. Each of these is very important, the clear directions and asking questions, but they have their own place. So for example, if you wanna work with your child on reading and you see, you say to your child, okay, honey, do you wanna do some reading now? You have given them the opportunity to say, no, I don't wanna do any reading right now. And in that case, you would need to respect that they have said, no, they don't wanna do any reading because you've given them a choice. Or if you say to your child, okay, honey, do you wanna do some spelling? And they're like, nope, I don't wanna do any spelling. Again, you're giving them the option to say no. But if you want to work with your child and you have decided this is what you're going to do, when it's time to work with your child, you need to give them clear directions. You need to say to them, it is time to do our reading work. It is time to do our spelling work. And you can always let them know what is coming next. It is time to do our reading work and then we're going to be heading out to run errands. It is time to do our spelling work and then we're gonna be playing a game together before dinner. Whatever your schedule is set up like, you as the adult have set the schedule so you're just clearly communicating that with your child. You're not giving them the option to say no because you're giving them that clear direction. This is time for, we are doing this. Not asking if they want to, but letting them know that it's time. Now, if you want to give them a choice, that's great. If you want to say, do you want to do reading now? Or do you want to eat lunch first? You can give them that choice as long as you're fine with either answer. That's totally great. But if you know that you're only fine with one answer, that it is time to do the reading work or the spelling work, then you wouldn't give them that choice. You would just clearly communicate now it's the time to work. The second one, the questions, the second part of this clear communication, you absolutely are gonna be asking them questions. And I like to ask them questions and give them a chance to choose when it's things that doesn't bother me. So for example, I was playing a game with a student the other day and she wanted to start the game board from the finish and go backwards to the starting line. That was fine with me. It doesn't bother me if we start at the start or the finish because she's still learning the, the rules, the phonics rules that we were practicing, whether we go forwards or backwards. So that was great. She had a choice. 
I will give my students choices about what color marker they would like to use, what color whiteboard they would like to use, or I'll give them choices. Would you like to read your sentences first or spell your sentences first? Because I'm fine with either answer. They're still doing what I want them to do. They are just choosing the order and that's great. When we can give them that choice, we're giving them that ownership of their learning. We're giving them a stake in the learning. That's really important because then we're gonna have a lot more buy-in when we're doing the activities. Instead of just telling them every single thing we're doing and dictating the order, we're giving them some choice in it. But again, I'm only offering choices of I'm okay with them choosing either one. I'm never asking them a question or offering them a choice if I'm not okay with one of the choices. Because if they choose that, if they say, no, I don't wanna do anything, then I would have to respect that. So make sure when you are communicating with your child, you have both. You have clear directions where you're telling them what to do or what time it is. And you also have questions where you're letting them choose, giving them a little bit of ownership in that learning because you're happy with either choice. The second tip I have for you when working with your child is to extend the wait time when they are answering a question, reading a word, or trying to spell a word. So wait time just simply refers to waiting, letting your child figure it out. When I was a teacher in the classroom, I wasn't always able to give my students the amount of wait time that I wanted because if one student was struggling and trying to come up with the answer, another student might call out that answer or there were other things going on in the classroom and we had to keep moving. So it's not always possible to have as much wait time as I would like in a classroom. But if you are working with your child at home, you can give so much more wait time. Now, this is an art and a science. You don't want to jump in so soon so that you are giving them the answer or you're saying things like, come on, honey, you know this. I know you know this. Remember, CH represents, ch you know that. You're jumping in so soon that you're not giving them that wait time. But you also don't want them to sit there for five minutes floundering because you're not giving them support. If it's something that's way over their head or something they really have forgotten, you don't just want to sit there, well, I'm waiting for you. What's the answer? I'll wait for you. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is if a child comes to a word that they're trying to decode and you can see them working through it, let's say, for example, it's the word fine and they come to it and they start saying Eh, mm. And you know, ah, they didn't do a long vowel. They need to do a long vowel because there's a magic E and we need the vowel to be long. And you want to jump in and say, honey, look, look at the magic E. You need this to be a long vowel. Don't do that. Just let them work through it first. F, eh, mm, fin. And maybe they're going to notice, oh, wait, there's an E. And then they're going to go back and say, okay, let me try it again. F, I, mm, fine and they have self-corrected. Give them that wait time, that opportunity to self-correct. Don't jump in. Don't say things like, I know you know this, honey. This is the answer. Or you forgot this? We just went over it. Remember, we talked about this. Just give them some wait time. You can kind of see the hamster in their brain like running on the hamster wheel because they're really trying to figure it out. So give them that wait time. And you can always ask them, would you like me to help you? Would you like me to give you support? And sometimes they'll say, yes, they need some help. And sometimes they'll say, no, I have students say, no, I've got this. They can figure it out. They want that time to figure it out. 
So tip number two is all about wait time. Give them the opportunity to work through those hard words. If they're reading them or spelling them, don't jump in too soon. The third tip I have for you is all about asking questions. Now these questions are different than the questions I talked about in tip number one. In tip number one, I was saying to ask questions to give your child some choice and ownership in the learning. Would you like the blue marker or the green marker today? Those are questions, but those are different. In this tip, what I'm talking about, I'm talking about asking questions as your child is working through their reading or their spelling. So for example, let's say your child came across the word and the word is Sam, but let's say they read the word as same. So they read same and they wanted to keep moving on. So you're going to stop your child and you're going to ask them a question. Okay. You said this word was same. Can you tell me why the vowel is saying the long vowel sound? Why is it saying its name in this word? And what you're doing when you ask that question is you're directing them to look at the word and to figure out why they said it was a long vowel sound. Now, hopefully they're going to notice, oh, this does not have a magic E on it. So this should not be a long vowel sound. And it's actually the word Sam. You want them to be the one to notice the error and to correct it themselves if they can. If they can't, you can tell them what the correction is and then have them repeat it back to you. But by asking them that question, you are giving them a chance to figure it out. So instead of just letting them say the word same and move on, or instead of saying, oh, honey, this is wrong. This is a, this is a short vowel. This is Sam. You're not giving them the answer. You're just asking them a question. Why did you read it like that? Why did you read it with a long vowel? What is causing, what in this word is causing the vowel to be long? You're making them look at the word, figure it out and kind of think through. The same thing happens in their spelling. Let's say they spelled the word duck and let's say they spelled it D-U-K, which is very common to see with our little ones. So they spell the word duck and you're going to stop them and you're going to say, okay, can you tell me why you spell duck D-U-K? And they'll probably say to you, oh yeah, D-U-K, duck. That's why I spelled it D-U-K. And you're going to say, okay, what, what do we use at the end of a word if it has the K sound and it's after a short vowel? What do we use to spell that K sound? Again, you're just asking them a question. And hopefully, this is after you've taught the digraph CK, it's going to clue them in. Oh yeah, CK spells K at the end of a word after a short vowel. So it's cluing them into that. So then they would be able to correct duck to be D-U-C-K. So just asking them questions and prompting them to think through their answer is really important, especially with spelling and also with reading. And the other thing I was going to mention is I had a mentor teacher once and she would even ask questions when students got the right answer. So she wouldn't just ask them questions if they made a mistake. If they read the word correctly, she would ask them, oh, you're right. Why is it a long vowel in this word? Or why is it a short vowel? Or if they spell the word in a certain way that was correct, she would say, awesome job. Can you explain to me why you used CK at the end of the word? or why you use the letter S, even though it's representing the Z sound, she would ask them questions even when their answers were correct because she wanted them to be able to verbalize and think through what they were doing, what they were reading and what they were spelling. 
it was such a cool tool to use because in the beginning, her students a lot of the time would think, oh, I must have spelled it wrong or I must have read it wrong because she's questioning me about it. But they came to realize over time, it wasn't because they were wrong that she was questioning them. It was because she wanted them to be able to verbalize why they did what they did. Why did they read it that way? Why did they spell it that way? Because if you can explain it to someone else, if you can teach someone else these phonics rules, then you absolutely know them. You have internalized them. So that's why we want them to be able to verbalize why they're doing what they're doing. And that is going to solidify their reading development so much more. So there you go. Those are three tips that you can use when teaching your child to read and spell at home, whether you are homeschooling or whether you are supporting what the teacher is doing in the classroom. You can use these tips to better work with your child and to make sure that they are having a solid foundation of reading, learning these skills correctly, and that you're having a positive interaction when you're working with them. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. For more information on helping your child learn to read, head over to my website, littleslovelearning.com. While you're there, don't forget to join my email list so you stay up to date with all things early literacy. You can also find me over on Instagram at littleslovelearningblog. Happy learning!